The scripture reading today is from Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 38. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. So, when you hear the word freedom, what do you think about? You hear that word, what images come to your mind? Many of you might not know this, but my passport has another country on it. When we say the word freedom, we mean revolution. We mean breaking free from the monarchy. We mean being our own, independent. Some of you might hear the word freedom, and because you've been around in churches and you've heard about the, the, the bondage that is debt, which it is a bondage, you think of financial freedom right away, and that there must be some class or something that I can take to be able to get me towards financial freedom. Perhaps for you, freedom is just the best wave that you could possibly catch some morning, that you could ride all the way in and experience all of God's good nature. That would scare me to death, by the way. But perhaps that's freedom for you. Maybe it's just being able to be friends with the people you want to be friends with. Maybe when you hear freedom, you think about people who are in bondage, and so your mind goes to those who are in slavery or those who are trapped on islands that they should be not on any longer. Freedom. 
As they're walking along, Jesus asks his disciples, who do you think I am? Who do people think I am? And they give him answers. Prophet. That's really the big one. Prophet. So they're not saying the people around aren't saying he's a bad guy. They're not saying that he's even a teacher. They're saying he's bringing something else. There's something else that's going to follow him. And then he looks and he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter, we love Peter, don't we? He's so quick to answer. I mean, everybody else was probably thinking it, right? But Peter answers. And he says, you're the Christ. And what's hard for us sometimes is when we hear the Christ, it's easy for us to think that that's Jesus' last name. Because it so easily runs off our lips. Well, he's Jesus Christ. Or we've heard it said differently, maybe, as a curse sometimes. Jesus But that's not what Peter's doing. He's not identifying his surname for us. He's, he's not saying, well, you're Jesus Christ. That's what's on your ID, Jesus. We all know who you are. When he says Christ, he's saying the anointed one. And by saying the anointed one, he's saying the Messiah. And for Peter, when he says the Messiah, what he's really saying is freedom. You see, because the Messiah for the Jewish nation was going to come and bring Freedom. It was going to remove those who had them in bondage, those who had come in from another land, those who worshipped pagan gods, those who were not God's chosen people, and he was going to take them and he was going to kick them out of the country that God had given them, and he was going to bring freedom to them. And so when Peter answers, you are Christ, he is saying, freedom. Now, Jesus has an interesting response to him. One that we probably would have been taken back by as well. Because he begins to tell them not to tell anyone. I'd be out of a job. Right? That's what happens here. He says, don't tell anyone. Interestingly enough, they're on this road, on the way, it tells us, in between two little podunk, small little cities, not going anywhere in particular, hidden away from the Roman Empire, hidden away from the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the makers of the law, hidden away as he tells them this, and he says, who do you think that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, and he says, don't tell anyone. Why? Because Jesus knows that it's not his time yet. And he knows that if all of a sudden he's proclaiming that he's the Messiah, that it is going to break loose on him. They're already planning his death. They're already wanting to kill him. But it will just bring it full force. Because not only is he now saying, I'm the son of God, to all those who say, you can't say that. He's also saying to the empire, he's also saying to the Romans, nope, I'm actually the king. The Messiah that they all keep talking about, that you all think is crazy, I'm here and have shown up. Jesus has a plan and he knows it's not his time yet. But he recognizes that they're sharpening their swords. That the disciples are thinking to themselves, he's freedom. And freedom means kicking them out. And freedom means him reigning on high. And freedom means him sitting on the throne. And freedom means we're sitting beside him and we'll get our own little provinces and our own little places that we'll get to rule over. How awesome will that be? And so Jesus doesn't want to let them stay there very long. Because he says this. 
He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said it plainly. See, Jesus wants to make sure that we understand when we think about his way, the way that he calls all of us to live, that it is different than the way we would want it to be. (laughs) They're thinking freedom, and Jesus is saying suffering. Not only suffering, that all the men he lists there, the scribes and the lawmakers and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're the ones who should recognize him as the Messiah as the anointed one, as the one who will suffer. And he's saying, they're the very ones who will not confirm your way of thinking. They will want to kill me. In fact, they will. And three days later, I will rise again. All throughout this book until chapter 8, which, by the way, is the middle of the book, Jesus has been teaching in parables. Mark wants us to make sure we know Jesus is not saying his death and his resurrection is a parable. That's why he says, he said this to them plainly. Jesus wasn't hiding anything. He was saying, look, the way of the Messiah is death and resurrection. The way of the Messiah is suffering. And Peter responds to it. And don't fool yourself. He responds to it at least the way I would respond to it. He says, Jesus, can I have a moment? And he brings him over to the side. And he says, you can't talk that way. That's outrageous. You're the anointed one. You'll reign with power and with dignity. You're going to kick them all out. You don't tell us that you're going to die. That's that's not what the Messiah is going to do. You better stop it and stop it now. I don't want to hear you say that again. It says he rebuked him. Have you ever been rebuked? He didn't go, Jesus, maybe, possibly, could you not? He said, stop talking that way. That's where his heart was. It can't possibly be that way. So much so that Jesus says, get behind me. Now, Jesus, you'll notice it says he noticed the other disciples. Peter's already made himself a leader. And in a sense, he's not saying get behind me in the way of get away, go away. I don't want to see you anymore. Get out of my face. You're banished. You're out of here. We know that's not true because Peter hangs around. But what he's saying is get behind me or get back in line. You're thinking differently than you should. That's what he tells him. You're not thinking the thoughts of God. You're thinking the thoughts of God. Of man. When I say the word freedom, what what do you think? What's the life that you envision if you had ultimate control of everything in your life? What do you picture? Let's be fair with each other. Most of what we picture is probably pretty good. I've got a family that loves me, a good job that takes care of me, those things that hold me in bondage I've been released from. 
I've got good friends that are around me and the ability to eat good food. I'm able to go camping if I want to go camping, and I'm able to take care of those who I want to take care of. I mean, let's be fair with each other, right? It's it's not as if we're just so focused only on ourselves and what we desire that it, it, it just looks terrible when we think of, what would my life look like if I had everything that I ever wanted? But the reality is, even with all those good things, most of them point right back to what I receive. That it gives me pleasure, or it gives me joy, or it gives me control, or it keeps others from controlling me. That it gives me the ability to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, always and forever. Freedom. Then Jesus, after saying, don't do that, you are thinking the thoughts of man and not the thoughts of God, lays on what the thoughts of God are for us. He calls the crowd to him and he says, if anyone would come to me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Forever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul. Jesus very quickly says, I'm bringing you a new understanding. I'm bringing you a new reality. I want you to know that the way that I'm calling you to is a way of suffering. It removes you out of your own control and your own life, and it puts me in that place. It says this, that ultimately, in order for you to have a life that you want to live, You have to die to that life so that you can discover what life really is supposed to be about. He looks at them and he says to everyone that's there gathered around, take up your cross. Now, some of them didn't hear Jesus. It was just the disciples and Peter who heard him say what he said about the suffering and the death and the resurrection. But he calls everybody around and he says, take up your cross. They know what the cross is. It happened a lot. They know that the cross is heavy and they know that the cross ultimately brings death. It's really not the good news that you want to be sharing with people if you want them to follow along. Guess what, guys? You get to get crucified. But what Jesus is saying to them is this. In our world, in how we operate, in the way that we've set things up on, the most preeminent, the most powerful, the most right is our own selves. And we sit on the throne of our hearts. And you have to be removed. And the only way to dethrone a king is to kill him. He says, we've got to allow yourself to put yourself on the cross so that you can have new life. Again, he's not speaking in a metaphor here. He's saying that we have to give up control. That we have to lose everything. All that we have set aside, all that we think will make us who we are, all of our identity that we think we get from, we have to set it aside. It has to die 
in order for Christ to be made whole in us. He says, look, what does it profit for you to get everything you want? Freedom. What's freedom to you? When you think of it, when you see it in your mind, is it that thing that will make you happy? Is it that thing that will put you in control? Is it the thing where you'll be understood, finally, for the first time in your life? That's freedom. We hear these words of Jesus about death and sacrifice and losing, and we think to ourselves, that doesn't sound like freedom to me at all. How can that possibly be freedom that he's talking about? But here's the shift that happens. Jesus' way of suffering is the way of freedom. Because the things that we desire in our hearts, the things that we build up in our minds, those identities that we clothe ourselves in, are the very things that lead to death and destruction and bondage. But it is when we allow ourselves to be placed in Christ and removed from those things by dying and being resurrected with Him, then we are able to move in freedom. Because we're no longer concerned with me, the mighty emperor on my little heart. We are only concerned with what Christ calls us to do. Freedom. That we give up ourselves in order to find who we've created to be. Don't you know that God created you before the foundations of the world? Don't you know that God has been in a relentless pursuit in His steadfast love for you? Don't you know that God has written your story and knows how it ends and He longs to write it with you, for you? And He just calls and says, let me pick up the pencil. Let me hit the keyboard for you. I know you better than you know yourself. I will release you and move you. Now, it might be, not be instantaneously. There are things... Look. Can I be real? It's great to have this many people in here. And my little heart, emperor heart, goes, yep. We're doing something right. It's hard. It is not easy for us to die to self. It is not easy for us to think, I want to think the thoughts of God. I want to walk in the path of Christ. Because I might not feel anything about it. I, I, I might not get goosebumps and chills. I might not get respected. I might not receive honor. But God calls us to that. That's His way. But when we move into that place, then we have freedom. And in freedom, then we're able to be bold in our repentance towards others. In our freedom, we're able to be bold in the mercy that we show to others. In our freedom, we're able to be bold in the way that we bring God's Word to others. In our freedom, we're able to be all that God's made us to be to each other. And we need each other to remind us of who we are in Christ. 
In 1990s, there was this little band that you wore that was plastic, and then it went on hats, and then it went on shirts, and then it went on posters, and then it went everywhere else. And lots of people made money off of it. Good for them. I hope they tithe. And it said, W-W-J-D. What would Jesus do? Now, I'm cynical, and so I like the fact that people started sort of making fun of it as well. Like, what would Conan do? What would Lee do? What would whoever else do? The goal was to say that if we're in Christ, then we are the image of Christ. And if we're the image of Christ, then we imitate Christ. And so what are the things that Jesus did? Those are the things that we should do. That was the goal, and that's good. That's a good goal, because we should be moving in that way. Here's the problem, though. (laughs) When we start thinking, what would Jesus do? Then inevitably, we make a list of what Jesus would do. And we think that that's the things that we need to do. And we all come to Jesus with all of who we are. We all come to Jesus with all of our background and all of our family history and everything that has informed us. We all come to Jesus that way. And so when we come to Jesus, we see Scripture and we read it, and then we put things on it. And so some people would come to Jesus and they would have this list, and it would be based on something that they want to see Jesus doing, not on what Jesus did. And then these people over here would go, I would like to see Jesus do these things. Not what Jesus did. And we think, well, if we just do the things that Jesus did, then that's us taking up our cross and following Him. That's us being like Jesus. So what would Jesus do? But we need to switch a letter. What did Jesus do? Well, Jesus came. And Jesus sought. And Jesus died. And Jesus rose from the dead. And Jesus sits on the throne. (laughs) And Jesus is the one who makes it possible for all of us to live the brand new life of resurrection that He has given us. And so what does it profit a man? It profits him everything for us to die on the cross. Because in everything we receive Jesus, who in fact is everything, holds all things together. He is the image of God made known. What did Jesus do? He saved us. And that gives us freedom. Let me pray for us. Father, you are good, and all you do is good. We worship you. Break our hearts, break the hearts that are so turned towards ourselves so that we can stand in the freedom that you have given us. Let us know that you are God that loves us and pursues us. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice and thank you for your new life. Thank you that you pursue us. Thank you that you are the way of freedom. Spirit, well up in us. Let us know this for sure. Testify to our own hearts that we are the children of God. We give you honor and glory and praise. Amen.